1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. This is your host Danny coming to you for episode number 54, and the number 54 is significant since we are a Juventus podcast. That's how many points it felt like Juventus dropped last season, so maybe I've used that joke one too many times, gone to the well one too many times, but whatever. But anyways, uh, we are not talking Juventus right away, we're actually talking Italy as we did last week and obviously Italy is one of the final two teams remaining at Euro 2020 21 however you want to reference it so as we prepare for a England Italy final we shall bring in the man with the house divided Sam Presti. hello Sam
0: yeah this is a this is an odd situation for me because as you know my wife and I are, are very united in our Philadelphia sports fandom, but she's very much an Anglophile. Free Lions! And you can edit that out, Danny. And uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, there's 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 going to be a bit of a showdown in here the next couple of days. It's uh, it's, it's a little strange. Oh. I'll just have to, you know, remind her to be gracious, like the last time Italy played England in a major tournament and we won.
1: Speaking of which, the last time Italy played England in a major tournament, Chucks, in 2012, do you remember after Andrea Pirlo chipped the hell out of Joe Hart? Do you remember the final two Italy players to uh, sink penalties? Oh, man, you're putting me on
3: the spot here. Um, I am.
1: And hello, Chucks.
3: And hey. hey, hey. <laughs> um, Man, you're putting me on the spot there. Uh, it's got to be Chiellini and like, God, I don't know, Bonucci.
1: Nope. Wasn't know one of them? Correct. Sergio oh, Romero, do God. you know the other one?
2: I have absolutely no clue, no idea. <laughs> why lie?
1: <would> <laughs> Sam, do you me. want to crack at it?
0: Oh gosh, oh my god, I'm forgetting his name. Starts with a. Uh, why, who am I thinking? Starts with a G. Fabio Grosso. <laughs> no, that was that, <laughs> that was, was a couple that years was, earlier, Chucks.
1: That was a couple years before that. Hang on. Now, should we, I'm, en- should we end the suspense? Because I've got written down. Yeah, here. yeah, do it. Alessandro Diamanti. Anybody remember him?
0: Diamanti. Oh my God. That's who I was uh, thinking yeah, of. I was Why never did think guess his that. name was a G. Uh, <laughs> was that's right. Alessandro Diamanti. Diamanti.
1: <laughs> 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 like, I was thinking of him and, and not having his name. Oh gosh. But, like I said, Italy, England final. Italy gets there via penalty shootout. So does England, or England gets there in extra time. Obviously two different kind of games, one with a very dubious penalty call and surprise, it didn't come from a flopping Italian. So Sergio, since you're, you're, the, you're the one who doesn't have much of a rooting interest since your beloved Switzerland is out of it, your thoughts on uh, Italy, England coming up this weekend.
2: Yeah, I I guess it's it's going to be the best game possible considering the the teams that were in the semifinals. Just just from a neutral point of view perspective, what the best game is going to be that that's going to be Italy England. It's going to be at Wembley if I'm not mistaken. So so the atmosphere is going to be is going to be wild. So yeah, as a, as a completely you know neutral watcher, uh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be pretty fun though. I would have liked to see Denmark just because they had, like, this, like, really noticeable team of destiny vibes going on after what happened to Christian Eriksen. Uh, they go ahead 1-0 with that, that free kick. Like, it, it really seemed like things were going on. Like, it, things could work out for Denmark. But, you know, in the end, they didn't. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like, you know, whatever. I don't think he was a PK. But England was probably the better team. And just as they probably deserve to be in that final, if you want to talk about that. But it would have been really, really fun to see this this Danish team, which was, I think, regardless of who wins, probably the story of the tournament. So, yeah, but it's going to be a pretty good game. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I haven't really followed the Euros that closely, but I did watch the semifinals. They were really two really well-played games. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the final is going to be more of the same. So, yeah, looking forward to it for sure. And, yeah, at this point, I guess I'm rooting for Italy. Like, you know, if Italy loses, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But, you know, if I had to choose, you know, Italy for sure, I, th- I think my, my rooting interests lie, lie with the Italians.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game. These are two very good teams. If, if it comes down to the manager level, I think Italy very much has an advantage. Roberto Mancini tactically against Gareth Southgate tactically isn't exactly a contest. And when when it really comes down to it, I don't see England being able to do the things that Spain did to Italy in this final. They're not going to hold possession the same way. They're not going to... I don't see how they can really stretch if they have that ability to be able to stretch the midfield and the defense out the way that Luis Enrique's tactical choices did in that semifinal. I I tend to avoid tempting the wrath of the whatever from high atop the thing in situations like this. But I kind of think that this is Italy's game to lose from a tactical perspective. And it very much could go that way based on little tiny incidents like we saw against Denmark one bad call from the referee and there will be more Italians in that stadium on Sunday than there were Danes on Wednesday but that place is still going to go crazy anytime they think that that an Englishman's been fouled and referees react to crowds we know this it's happened all the time in one sense, it's a good thing that England is, is Italy's opponent because it means that Michael Oliver is categorically was categorically excluded from this game. But it's, it's going to be good. I think it's going to be close. If it does turn into a blowout, though, I think it would be more of an Italian blowout than an English blowout because if it turns into a blowout, I think it means that Mancini has just run circles around Southgate tactically and... At that point, I don't know. But it has to come down to the players on the field. And anything can happen at that point.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll cover the uh, the semifinals first before uh, commenting on the final. In terms of the semifinal between Italy and Spain, uh, which is a really good game. I mean, really high, just high-quality footballing game. You know, there may not have been, like, that many goals and that much action. But in terms of, like, just quality of the of the actual footballs, really, really high. And it's just, yeah, it was just a very enjoyable game, I I thought. But, yeah, I think, you know, I think we all, most of us did kind of admit that sheepishly, but, you know, Spain did really outplay uh, Italy for most of the game, I thought, uh, in the semifinals. But Italy held on well. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of the story of the tournament for Spain, which is, okay, They, for the most part, I mean, okay, in the, in the beginning of the group stages, they weren't, you know, fantastic. But for the most part, throughout the tournament, they dominated their opponents. But just, you know, except for that Slovakia game, just really couldn't put opponents just definitively away, you know, just couldn't definitively close off games. And, you know, you saw that fiasco against Croatia, which (laughs) what a game that was, um, that Croatia-Spain game. That, yeah, this kind of has been the the story of the tournament for Spain, uh, creating so many chances, but just not you know, finishing them off, you know, definitively enough. And yeah, that came up against Spain again as well. Definitely just, I mean, speaking of tactical battles, I think Luis Enrique won that one against Mancini. But, you know, just, yeah, just couldn't score. Um, Just couldn't score more than once anyway. And yeah, then it comes to penalties. Penalties are lottery and, you know, they lost that one. So, yeah, I mean, that was unfortunate for them, of course. And then, yeah, like, like Sergio said, that England against Denmark game, I mean... At the end of the day, England probably did deserve to win that game. It just sucks that it has to be decided by a, you know, kind of questionable penalty, which, I mean, I, you know, the more times I see, the more uncertain I become about it. In general, I, was I gonna think... going to say, uh,
0: explain your countryman's decision
3: on that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Muckley, yeah, 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 I mean, it, it's, again, one of those things where it's like, okay, if you see it in real time versus if you see it slowed down, it... it changes your mind i don't know i think maybe seeing it in real time it might have looked worse than than it was then again there was all there were also some danish players like like blocking his view maybe so maybe he can have seen it i don't know but to be fair i think it was clap mark Clattenburg. he was you know gives kind of the referee and commentary on the espn which i, I really like that part actually i think i mentioned that i might mention that in the last episode if, or in the comments if only if,
1: if only it was somebody other than mark Klattenberg <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say true.
3: the same thing. Like <laughs> true, of
1: all the of all the former
3: referees you
0: could possibly have picked, you pick
3: Mark Clattenberg. Yeah, I guess Howard Webb is busy and then I don't yeah. know. Ah, uh, I also think
0: also I don't think I don't think there has ever been he has never he hasn't once taken a definitive stand to say no I think that's wrong. He go he always they go to him and he's always oh well it's really close but I don't think it's a clear and obvious error.
3: <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, then what use are you on this broadcast? Well, he's a politician, isn't he? <laughs> he's, he dodges and weaves. <laughs> dodges and weaves. But yeah, I mean, in general, I just like the addition of that type of, you know, uh, I guess, perspective. Obviously, uh, yeah. it being Claddenberg, I mean, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't uh, tickle everyone's fancy. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, the decision was... Yeah. I, I, but he did say one thing that, like, I guess made sense. It's like, if because Makalee basically like called the penalty immediately. He was like, okay, you know, that's for sure a penalty. And I don't know if there's a standard practice with referees now at VAR, but it's like to let the play go on and like not call the penalty and then let the play go on. And then when the ball goes out, just let it go to VAR and then like review it on VAR or something like that. Like we just basically like how offsides are nowadays, like where – basically linesmen are just letting play like go on indefinitely and then like five minutes later they're like oh yeah by the way that was offside." <laughs> i've noticed that it's bloody infuriating by the way. <laughs> it's- and they do it when
0: it's really clear they do it when it's really clear too that's the thing like if it's yeah, close yeah. i don't mind they doing that but when when a guy's like two or three steps offside and they let play go on i'm sitting there yeah. going what if somebody gets hurt in yeah, yeah, yeah. that sequence and when they didn't have to do anything because the
1: guy was so clearly offside
3: yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty tough when
1: you got a guy like Alvaro Marata on your team too. Oh
3: yeah, yeah. He, he's keeping him busy. <laughs> <laughs> he's keeping him well busy. I think also Spain did really or was it Spain? Yeah, yeah, no, it was Spain against Italy, of course, that you know Italy's counter-attacking threat was mainly through Chiesa, um, that game, and you know, he obviously kept Spain really well on their toes, but once Chiesa tired, it was like, OK, who's our counterattacking threat now? And that, that I mean, Spain definitely capitalized on that uh, very well. But, you know, again, they can score. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of the final, I mean, you know, clearly Italy's advantage is in the central mid of midfield. Um, you know, Jorginho and I suppose Verratti will be playing again and uh, Barella against Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips. I mean, that's, you know, that's not really a contest, is it? I mean, clearly the Italian central midfield is, like, definitively winning that one. But, I mean, obviously they, you know, Sterling, Sterling, I thought against Denmark was really good, um, just, like, harassing uh, Denmark's uh, defenders really well. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of possession, Italy will win it. But, yeah, i England obviously have Sterling and, well, Kane, I mean, yeah. Kane Kane drops deeper these days. I mean, he he kind of, you know, moves away from the central from the central defenders now. So, I don't know how far, like, someone, I mean, suppose Chiellini will be, will be marking him. So, how far will Chiellini be following him into, I guess, the Italian midfield? I don't know, because then you're leaving gaps in behind and then Sterling is going to run, I mean, speed into that one easily. And, then, yeah, you also have someone like, you know, Chiesa against what's his name? Kyle Walker. In terms of pace, I mean, they match each other there because, you know, both of them are ridiculously fast. Um, I just noticed like against Denmark, just how fast Kyle Walker is it was really extraordinary. But yeah, I mean, I think overall, I think Italy will probably win it, but it just depends on what type of game it's going to be. If it's going to be a possession based game, I think Italy will, you know, definitely dominate it. But if it's going to be route one football, then uh, yeah, I mean, I guess England, have probably a better chance on that but yeah we'll see
0: two things about the semi-final against spain one it is clear how much italy miss leonardo Spinazzola.
3: yeah for sure. for sure
0: he i mean emerson just didn't bring those same that those same qualities to the to the game and it was also clear that mancini doesn't necessarily trust him in a late game lead situation because rafael toloy came on for him and swapped Di Lorenzo to the other side the other thing, this will be a little bit more levity. How does Jorginho manage to walk with balls that big? To make <laughs> now, now this is a family show. To make to, to 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 put that penalty in the way he did, like that is that is the most nonchalant, ice cold penalty in a shootout that I have seen since, as Danny mentioned before, Andrea Pirlo hit that cucchiaio and ruin Joe Hart's life forever.
1: Yeah. No, it was very um, the finish was very pirloy. Very pirloy.
0: Yeah. And and also Federico Bernardeschi in that shootout. Like what? <laughs> I I I was it, it's funny cuz in 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 the Juventus club group chat that I'm in, I I predicted the Italian penalty takers and I got 4 out of 5. But I was expecting Barardi to take one instead of Bernardeski. And when bernard stepped up, I actually was thinking, oh, God,
2: here's a, here, this might be our miss. Here's the thing with Bernardeschi. Like, ever since he came to the club, he, like, he's never been the penalty taker. Like, it was Dybala first. And then once Ronaldo came on, it was Ronaldo. Maybe he was just really good at them all the time. And we just never knew. Like, it was I... like a secret thing, like a secret skill he had. I saw
0: him this summer that he signed. I saw him in a friendly in Boston against Roma in one of the ICC games, and that that ended up one-one, and it ended up going to the uh, to the automatic penalty shootout that they do in the in the ICC. And Bernardeschi, I think, took the fifth penalty
2: in that shootout. Did he make so it? So he did. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah we won that, that one. Uh,
2: comeback season. You heard it here I first. know, right?
0: <laughs> Probably playing like as a, you know, as an old style sweeper in Max Allegri's new tactical scheme because that's just what Max does with him. He
1: moves him to every conceivable position. He is going to be the fifth central defender on this year's, this coming year season. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal.
4: Chuck's mentioned the
1: midfield, and I want to just touch on Italy's midfield before we move on. Obviously, how England decide to set up in terms of Jorginho will be vastly important, but also Verratti and Barella on either side of him. Barella has, you know, outside of starting the tournament, well, he's, he's obviously cooled off. And, you know, you could maybe chalk that up to fatigue or how been going up against some really tough midfields, especially Spain. But how big is... Italy's midfield gonna have to be because obviously Immobile, you know, he is what he is at this point. You know I, you know, we remember the first couple of games when he scored at this tournament. Everybody's like, "We'll see," you know, that's what you get for me. You know, taking cracks at him. Well, he's sh- seemingly struggled ever since and struggled so much to the point where Mancini put on Domenico Berardi as a essentially a false nine. So it, it seems like as Italy's midfield goes that's how the team will go against England. I mean, that's just me, but what are you guys feeling about the midfield matchup? As Chuck said, you know, it, it, it obviously on paper sways in Italy's direction, but as I say, you gotta, you gotta play the game too, right?
0: Yeah, you definitely do. But I think having a guy like Verratti on the team and in the same 11 as Jorginho is kind of important in this situation because if you think about trying to man mark Jorginho then you're leaving Verratti free and Verratti can do almost the same stuff he can orchestrate just as well as Jorginho can so it, it there's almost like a it it's it's almost a doppio regista kind of kind of thing going on not it's not exactly how Verratti has been playing but i think it's how he can play and if England are gonna if England make a move to try and, and lock Jorginho out, I remember hearing talk that that this that was also in Austria's game plan in the round of 16. If you try to do that, then you have Verati to deal with. And then he can and then he can kill you. So it's kind of a pick your poison, to say nothing of what both of those guys can do on the press, which is not something that they're gonna be able to which is something that they weren't able to to do really against Spain the way the way Spain managed to set up and win that tactical duel but against England I definitely think that that can be done you know if if, if that if the midfield starts winning the ball
3: well forward a lot of things could could start going wrong for England really fast yeah I mean I think it really depends on what what Southgate does with this team uh, because we saw against Germany they played uh, what was it a three four three they matched. Germany essentially uh, in a yeah in a 3-4-3 three, three. Um, and then you have what was it Saka Kane and Sterling in the front three and then just a you know midfield four and in the back three which I guess kind of shifted in possession but and all that but you know then again you have a you know central you still have that two-man central midfield so if so if in this case you know you're going to man mark frankly if, if any of your central midfielders are going to man mark anyone you're really I mean you're Three v two man marking, so then you're always gonna have you're always gonna be chasing uh, shadows there in that case, because you're yeah you're just gonna be one man down. So you know that's if they do a three four three, but then they might do a four two what was it three one, and then you could have whoever plays kind of the 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 one or yeah the in the line of three whoever is in that kind of central attacking midfield role, that person could mark Jorginho, then you kind of have the three v three again, but. Yeah, even then, I mean, I don't know who that would even be. And then even some teams as well, they sometimes have, like, just in general, not in, in this tournament or so, but just in general, uh, some teams will, like, have their center forwards even mark, like, the, well, the G-star in this case, and then just leave the um, center backs, you know, in this case, just leave Bonucci and Chiellini, you know, let them have the ball, and then... In this so in this case it would be like Kane dropping all the way back to Mark uh, Jorginho I don't know how you know comfortable he is doing that I don't know if he's ever done that kind of stuff but um, yeah there're just multiple options there um yeah so it really kind of depends on how England you know set up uh, I think we basically all know what the starting lineup is going to be for Italy just really it should be the same as against Spain just you know Emerson Di Lorenzo Chiellini Bonucci and there's the midfield 3 and then I, yeah, I suppose still the same front three as well. Um, so yeah, who knows? I mean, I think Southgate kind of has the uh, the surprise factor in store there compared to Mancini, because again, you know, we know what Italy is going to do, but um, England has, I mean, two very distinct tactical options, and yeah, so you know, what surprise is he going to spring a surprise? Yeah, who knows? And and I guess Mancini might have to kind of prepare for two different scenarios, which uh, yeah, which will be interesting to see, you know. So regardless, yeah, I mean, I think it will be just a good tactical battle. And both, and I think that's really the, the, the interesting the- thing here. Both teams have really, at least one really pacey forward. With England, they have, you know, Sterling, of course. And if Saka plays, you know, Saka as well. Uh, and then, of course, Italy have uh, Chiesa, who's, yeah, obviously you know, crazy fast as well. So they both have that really direct outlet on... Insignia is not a snail either. Yeah, yeah, true. Insigne is not. But I think he likes that to me. I mean, he strikes me, especially as he's gotten older, kind of more as a foot on the ball, kind of like, you know, yeah, kind of drifting inwards, uh, drifting centrally, foot on the ball kind of winger. Yeah, who likes to kind of play those, you know, creative balls, you know, those reverse balls through the, through the back line, whereas Chiesa just wants to take them on you know but yeah so you know i think yeah it should be a should be a good game
1: definitely and obviously as much as some of our attention might be on the euros there are all there's also some juventus things going on and that includes the introduction of a couple of new members of the front office seeing as fabio paratici has now uh, headed off to london speaking of wembley the mauricio arriva bene and uh Federico Cherubini's is taking over new roles with director of football being Ciarabini's spot. And then Arriva a more of a Juventus say he's the manager of the football area. Does that roughly translate to a CEO? I'm not sure. We'll go with it.
0: think, so? <laughs> okay. we'll I think with it. so.
1: We'll go with it. We'll go with it. But anyways. He's
0: going to, he does the money.
1: That's right. That's
0: he right. does the money and Cherubini does the, the transfer strategizing. I think that's how it, I think that's how it's divided.
3: That's Tony Soprano would say, you know, one person deals with the money, the other person does the whacking. That's right.
1: Especially in this accommodation, Chucks. (laughs) Anyways, along with Mr. President Andrea Agnelli and Pavel Nedved, we had the first press conference of the uh, new season. Obviously the, the main one is coming up here with Max Allegri and Sergio will have something cooking on that. So there's a tease for you. But seeing as Sam was the one who I think is most interested in what Cherubini has to say, Sam, your total overreactions on what Juve's new roster constructor had to say in his first press conference in his new position.
0: I mean, I I wouldn't go, I wouldn't say it's going to be total overreaction, but come on, um, give the listeners
1: what they our, want. I,
0: I I will get, I will give the listeners, I will give the listeners a little bit of what they want because when, what he said, uh, when he said, you know, to use the quote that Calvin put up on when he uh, when he tracked this one we may not even carry out a transfer market because we believe we have a competitive team and our idea is our coach of course in a logic of sharing strategies and objectives we know that something can be improved but it doesn't mean that this will happen okay so that means from the outside looking in for me that means one of three things
1: Max has made everything better
0: yeah one. <laughs> He's just faking people out. He's playing the coy game, and basically doing whatever Bill Belichick does whenever he ends up in front of a microphone, or whenever what, or you know, whenever a, a hockey team, a hockey player in the NHL playoffs gets listed as lower body injury, you know, like he's he's just playing him close to the vest. He doesn't want anybody to know what he's doing. Possibility number two. The team really is that broke and he's just not saying the quiet part out loud. If that's the case, it sucks, but it's reality in the post-COVID soccer economy until people get into the Allianz again and until that starts becoming the money-making machine that it has been for the last decade. Not much you can really say about that. Option three is that they actually believe that that they actually believe that this is a team that can compete for for high-level objectives just because Max Allegri is, is, is the coach now. And that is insane. There's zero overreaction to That is That is... To take this team, this incredibly flawed roster, and think that just that simply the addition of max allegri will mean that you know this team that that finished far far from being in contention for the scudetto this year and needed a, a damn miracle from hellas verona 20 minutes from the la- from the end of the season in order to even get into the champions league will make that great leap just because allegri's back That is an arrogance and a disconnect from reality that is alarming and makes me think, makes me really worry about Andrea Agnelli, honestly, because he said, he also said later on, you know, I'm not going to use a direct quote on that, but he basically said, oh yeah, I'm sure time will mean that Alexander Seferin will, you know, totally forgive me for, you know, stabbing him in the back multiple times over the Super League. I'm like, this, this guy doesn't seem... Sometimes Andrea Agnelli does not seem to be 100% connected to reality when it comes to the Super League.
3: No wonder he's such good friends with uh, Paris.
0: <laughs> I, I don't want to get started on this again. But but if if that is actually the belief of the front office, that this team unaltered... Can can compete on three fronts and and make serious inroads towards all of the competitive goals that you expect Juventus to be trying to attain. That's crazy. It is. It's not a. Th- it's not going to happen. Not with this team. Doesn't matter who's coaching it.
2: The thing about Carabini is that because he's he's the new guy, we don't know if he will follow. In the storied footsteps of Juventus, you know, management just saying one thing and doing the exact opposite immediately afterwards. Like, you know, we heard this same management say, "Oh, we're gonna stick with Sari," and then they fired him. Like a couple weeks after that, they say, "We're definitely sticking with Pirlo. Like this is our guy. He's gonna you know keep on going with the process." Fired him immediately after the season, like. You know they they say a lot of stuff and I just like Sam said I just don't think they're they're being not even close in seriousness when they say like oh no we're fine like we love this team this team can win. Now will this team be better under Allegri than it was under Pirlo? Probably. I, I think they they do get more points. I don't think they sweat out European qualification. Do they win the league? I, I don't think so. I I do agree with Sam on that one that I don't I don't think this team is good enough as it's currently constituted. But I don't think they can come out and say, oh, you know, we're we're blowing it all up. And like that they can say that. So it's like they're stuck in this wishy-washy corporate talk type of stuff that we love everyone here and we're definitely not gonna make any changes, and then they're just gonna, you know, sweep everyone away. That that would be my my reading of it. The thing that that jumped out to me the most was you know, was the Ronaldo talk. And and we talked about it before that he was the biggest domino. He was the guy that we really needed to know what was happening with him in order to move forward. And Carabini was all, you know, good words about him. And, oh, he scores a lot of goals and he's awesome and we want to keep him. And listen, talking exclusively on the money side of things, you know, Juventus just haven't had, like they haven't got their words from Ronaldo so far, because, you know, they, they did the J hotel and they did the, you know, the, the a bunch of renovations, and everything with Ronaldo in mind, they wanted this to be like a, like a tourist destination. They wanted to get their money's worth out of, out of number seven. And because of COVID, they just haven't been able to do it. They had one season, one season and a half of it, and that's it. So it wouldn't shock me if, They do, you know, renew him and they do keep him on exclusively because of commercial reasons. And I think that is actually the thinking because Carabini said, like, we don't make that type of decisions. Like, we don't make decisions just because of commercial reasons. And no one really asked him about it. He just kind of threw that out there by himself. So that kind of leads me to believe that they definitely are thinking about that. They definitely are thinking about, like, we're going to jump into the money train that is Cristiano Ronaldo incorporated, so th- that that to me was the biggest biggest thing that you could read into it because if if Ronaldo stays for next season, that that def- that I mean that just changes what the the team is going to be, how the team is going to play, and you know it's going to be in that sense. I would believe a little bit more their statements of. We're not going to make a ton of transfers because just financially is not going to be be feasible. So it's it's going to be interesting to to see for sure. But you know, I, I think until we know that, it's going to be very very hard to know how how much of it is true, how much of it is, is a lie, is just corporate talk. We'll see. But you know, it, it's just fun to have some new news again that it's not the same rumors that we have been hearing over and over again.
0: It's, it, it makes me, I, I'm sorry to jump in front of you, Chex, but it makes me, it, it is intriguing to me that, you know, if Ronaldo stays, one of the things that we heard when Max Allegri was rehired was that he is going to have more say in the transfer market. It's pretty clear from some of the things that have come out since he was let go that he didn't necessarily want Ronaldo on the team at that point. And and was trying to tell the, t- the the front office to to kind of break things up and 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 get younger a little bit. So that makes me wonder whether or not you know just how just how much say he might actually have, or if this is just something that he knew he'd have to deal with for the first year or so of his contract before before Ronaldo's died, and then he could do what he wanted.
1: I will plug Sergio's mailbag. And I will blatantly rip off what Sergio said in the mailbag. No offense, Sergio. But yeah, it, it, and Sergio said it really well in the, in the mailbag post that that went up earlier in the day that we're recording is that, you know, Ronaldo is kind of the opposite player of what we kind of envision Max's new Juventus being is younger. And obviously if you get rid of Ronaldo cheaper, so you know, you kind of have two divergent paths going here where you kind of have what we think Max is thinking. And then it's also the pandemic has hit this club so hard. Do they just try and get all of they can out of the Ronaldo well before that contract expires and, you know, fans are starting to come back in who knows to how much capacity because Italy is still lagging behind in vaccinations, but it's just, it's really kind of two real, two very different things that we seem to be going on here. And one obviously involves Ronaldo and has probably more money involved, but one might, one is without Ronaldo, but might have more team cohesion, whatever you want to call it, in, involved with that one.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't begrudge them if they decided to, you know, renew Ronaldo and, and, just purely for commercial reasons i like that 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 actually kind of makes sense to me like that is not you know that's a pretty defensible argument defensible idea and i wouldn't hate it either like i mean i think it makes sense if if you're going to go down this path you know might as well actually take advantage of, of this signing that you made that you haven't really been able to take fully advantage of but you know in terms of on the field I'm just not sure how, with the team as it's currently constituted, whoever's the coach, and you have to have Ronaldo in, you have to fit him in in your formation. I, I just the team doesn't make sense for him, and it just at that point, I, I just don't see this team being much better than we what we already saw from this team. Like I really don't, and and it is going to put like Sam said, we we heard the reports. Allegedly didn't want him. Maybe like, maybe he did. Maybe those reports were, were false. Maybe they told him, Hey, listen, here's a four year contract. Just stick it out for a couple of years. And then you'll have your team. Who knows? It's just all press stuff. It's just all whatever the reports say and the media says, and that changes within week to week. So honestly, uh, until the first game of the season rolls around, and I see Ronaldo in a Juve jersey, or I don't see him, I'm going to be sure that, you know, whatever happened with him, it's going to happen. Because other than that, it's just just tabloid talk. It's going to be very hard to make a prediction about what this team is going to look like when when the season starts.
0: Two things about Ronaldo this past week have stuck out to me. Those are two two views kind of from the inside of the club. One, Sergio, that you mentioned in the mailbag was was when what Maurizio Sarri was talking about, about the difficulties of of having Ronaldo on your team. But also the one that I you wouldn't have expected was David Trezeguet said, basically out and out said that Ronaldo has problems in the locker room. That was a bit of a surprise. And, you know, that... that it makes you wonder. Like, does... Y- is is when you when you said you know if is it is it worth having him on the team for purely financial reasons you know for the purely commercial reason personally that's not a thing that I like to I, I I wouldn't like that as the justification for making a decision I think that you've got to act like a football club and not like a brand if you want to be successful on the field but if Trezeguet if what Trezeguet is saying is even a little bit correct and he's having problems with teammates in the locker room is it even worth the commercial reasons to have him there
1: you can finally and, jump
3: in and, no 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 jump around jump around <laughs> jump up jump up and jump down please <laughs> um i mean i don't Dude, have do you want to get a suit no <laughs> <laughs> no honestly, i mean i don't even have too much of substance to add really yeah i mean i i think just one comment and then, Sergio, you can uh, jump around, jump back on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought a great song. What a great song that was. But We know what the next song of the week is on the mailback. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, you know, my my device comes for free. Don't worry. I'm an idea guy. But, yeah, I guess the, the, the only thing that, you know, really just this whole Ronaldo, I guess, dilemma or fiasco or just, just the decisions that come with such a just an extraordinary player like him it's just this whole discussion of you know the the individual versus the collective you know okay you can get this incredible incredibly talented individual but at what cost you know i think we can agree that obviously he's he's, in terms of his, his statistics his personal statistics have been Fantastic! Since he joined Juve, I mean, you know, he's scoring thirty plus goals per season. I uh, and I mean, before him, I mean, when was the last time we saw that? You know, in in the days of uh, in the days of and uh, uh, and and Del Piero, obviously. I mean, you know, we we haven't seen that in a long time. Of course, I wish his free kicks were a little bit better, but my um, digress. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, you have this great individual, but then you also have the collective. And, you know, multiple coaches have now said that, okay, he is an extraordinary individual, but you have to move heaven and earth to accommodate a team for him. And yeah, then you have that kind of pull of the collective. And that that really is just, I mean, football in general, any team sport is just this constant dilemma this constant battle between prioritizing individuals or the collective. You know, if you prioritize individuals, okay, are you doing that at the detriment of yeah, just a collective context. Um, and if you just say, okay, you know, we don't care about the individuals, we just care about the team. Well, what are you giving up then as well? Well, you know, you're probably foregoing an amazing player like Ronaldo, or you're foregoing 30 something goals per season. So I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's an eternally difficult just dilemma to have and, and just to make these choices. And, and you're not making these choices in a vacuum, you know, you're, you're making them tactically obviously as a coach, but then you have management to deal with who obviously they have slightly different concerns. You know, they, I mean, they want the team to win, but they're, they're a little more, you know, looking at earnings per share and, you know, their share values and and profit and all that. So it's um, yeah, that I mean, it's just, it's, I don't think I'll ever gain like a coherent kind of opinion about just the Ronaldo in at Juve era. It's almost kind of like, just the significance of all of it—it it just really just makes me think of the whole Beckham to LA Galaxy um, move. Just how much bigger than than just the team that was, how much how much bigger than just football that was. It was just you know the greater significance of him joining the team, the league, obviously financially what it meant, and just just the really really bigger picture significance of that move. And you know, books were written about that, and and yeah, I wonder just. What the long term, like in you know, ten years, what the what the long term, like, analysis of this this whole Ronaldo era at Juve will be. How we'll look back at this and like just look at like you know what truly was the bigger sim- significance of Ronaldo being at at the club. And yeah, I mean, I really wonder. I, I I don't know. I think I think with time I'll be able to look at it more objectively. And but now it's yeah, it's harder being right here. In it at the moment, but uh, who knows? Who knows?
2: Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's a difficult decision that they're going to have to make, pretty pretty quick. They're going to they're just going to have to make a decision because he's on a one year contract. I doubt. I very much doubt that they just let him walk for free. I mean, you know, that'd be that'd be a decision to make for sure. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. The, the thing, just to kind of wrap this up. I do think that, you know, when Sari came out and said that, you know, all oh, they 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 have to take care of, you know, Ronaldo's interests when they make decisions. Of course they do. Of course they do that. I mean, that that's what happens with this like global superstars. And it happens in every sport, like, you know, in, in the NBA, like the Lakers ask LeBron James who he wants the coach to be. Of course, they involve him in these decisions. It, it These dudes are some of your biggest investments. They're your biggest starts. Of course, you have to involve them in decisions. Of course, they're going to be a weight in, in every decision you make. And of course, maybe not all, but most of the decisions on the pitch, I'm sure they're going to Ronaldo and asking him, like, what do you think about this? Like, I don't, I don't think they don't do that. And um, and that just puts another wrinkle in the thing, right? Like, do you think they went to Ronaldo and asked him, like, "Hey, we're gonna bring Allegri back. Like, is that cool with you? Like, do you approve? Not necessarily approve, but like, are you on board with this?" And and maybe he said yes, maybe he said no. Who knows? It's it's a whole rigmarole. And and just for that, I'm kind of I put it in the mailbag, but just for that, I'm kind of tired of the, of the Ronaldo era, just because it 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 adds a lot of wrinkles. It adds a lot of a lot of things for a team that is just not. You know, it's just not there right now. It's a team that's in transition. It's a team that, that needs to start a new, a new era, a new chapter, a new age. And just Ronaldo is not the type of player you, you need and you want in a situation like this. Then again, he does a lot of T-shirts. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he does, you know, maybe we do see him on the pitch next, next season. But we'll see. It's going to be interesting for sure. Hey, uh, Messi's contract has run out, so uh, watch this space. Hey. Hey, why not? Why not? Let's do it. Make it possible. Let's just do a FIFA team. Why not? Did,
0: did, did, what, did we run into... Did we start printing money and not tell anybody? I mean, we just uh, came man. Kickstarters, up with... Man. Kickstarters.
2: We just came up with like 400 million. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's all the cover losses. That's that has nothing to do with what we might I mean, be able hey, was to printing money.
2: <laughs> that was another great part of the conference, by the way, which was just like, Oh yeah, we just we we have four hundred million dollars. It it's like, what? Like, where did you just come up with that out of nowhere? Like just the, the amounts of money these people play with is just you know, it doesn't even make sense to me. But you know, hey, do you know who sells a lot of shirts to? Lionel Messi. Why not? Let's do it.
1: Adidas guided her in. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap things up here with a couple of quick Twitter questions. First one from, and we we're speaking about pure nostalgia with this one from at Lindsay Twenty One. Max is back. AC Milan is rumored to be going after the very good-looking Olivia Giroux. You think there's any chance Juventus resign a certain angry Croatian by the name of Mario Mandzukic? I
3: wish,
0: but he's, he's <laughs> done. I want him, I, I, I wish it was, I wish it would work, but I just, I, I, I don't see, I, I, I don't think he can stay healthy, it doesn't look like he's got, you know, it doesn't look like he's got it in his legs anymore, I, I still think we dumped him prematurely, I think he had one seat, one good season, maybe two left in him, when Saudi froze him out. But now, I I I wish,
3: but I don't think so. Yeah, brother's done, man. I mean, uh, my best friend is a Milan fan, and he told me that uh, Manjogic, uh he I think it was like he was injured for basically half the season, and since he was injured for so long, he donated his sal- salary to charity, like whatever amount that he earned when he was basically not playing, he donated that to, to charity, which, you know, obviously is a, you know, fantastic thing to do, but that just shows how little he played then. And so, uh, yeah, brothers, uh, He's done, but uh, oh, no, it, just very quickly, now uh, that you brought up uh, Olivier Giroud, shout out to the very, very old commercial that if people remember this, that'll be amazing. But that nope, commercial goes in- I think I know in, where you're going with this, buddy. <laughs> I can't help it that I'm cautious.
1: I can't help that, that I'm gorgeous. <laughs> As he <laughs> sprays that. cologne all over himself.
2: That was brilliant. The, the fun soft blood of this whole Allegri back thing, is that pretty much every player who played for Juventus in the last five years that is no longer a team yes. is just being linked back to Juventus. Yes. It's like Miralem Pjanic. It's like Mario Mansukic. It's like everyone is like, oh, they're going to bring them all back. Like, bring the back together. Like, it's going to be like Gonzalo Higuaín. Like, the Dios bring back well less Bring so, back Sturado. <laughs> I, I think I saw something. And this might be, I don't know if it was a rumor or a report or just a random Twitter account. But it was like, hey, Rugani is like coming back, and like Allegri always thought thought highly of him. It's oh, like, yeah. no, he didn't. He never did. Like he was always a bench player under Allegri. But now it's like, oh, who knows? Maybe he comes back too. Like, it's just really fun. I I might as well just just bring back the Berlin team. Why not? Like, I mean, at this point, bring back Carlos Tevez. Bring back Arturo to just bring back all those guys. Like, it, just just make it a, a fun team to root for even though they, they would probably suck, but why not?
3: Yeah, journals print anything nowadays. I mean, I was reading uh, some English paper. I don't even know where. They were saying, uh, Jorginho for the Ballon d'Or. I'm like, my God, we're printing everything nowadays, aren't we?
1: <laughs> that was also the ESPN FC Twitter account, Chucks. But I know you're I was, uh, you're, you're not a Twitter guy, so you're, you're spared well, that. <laughs> Last question here, and and speaking of which, said Twitter... Questioner also makes an appearance in Sergio's mailbag this week along the same topic. So if you want to check that out, there's another plug from at Juventino underscore BNA. If Rabiot stays Locatelli joins us and Artur doesn't go anywhere and in an Allegri midfield, what would you think Weston McKinney's role might become?
3: That's a great question, actually. Um, and yeah, that is a really good question because that would basically be a three-man central midfield there. And, yeah, I, mean, I don't
2: – yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think – I would think McKenny would kind of play a, a Vidal type of role, I guess, but kind of a destroyer and kind of joining joining an attack, so kind of box-to-box-ish. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to pass on that question. I really don't know. I don't see how Locatelli
0: and Artur – could play in the same midfield without seriously sacrificing defensively. Like, if Arturo yeah, yeah, true, was still on the team, if it was me and Arturo was still on the team, he'd essentially be Locatelli's backup. Because I do think McKenny moving out of that Metzala role and and being the Vidal or, you know, the, the pre-injury Sammy Kadira especially making those runs into the box from the midfield and being that that extra out that extra guy in there which he was doing so well before he got hurt that's going to be a key so i think that's what in a three man midfield that would absolutely be his role and it really ought to be there's also no guarantee that we even run a three man midfield because, you know, I think a four-two-three-one is definitely within the realm of possibility as a way of getting Ronaldo and Dybala and Chiesa onto the field at the same time. But yeah, that's, I mean, if you're looking at a three-man midfield, I think you have to have McKenney start and drop Artur if, in that scenario and if Locatelli were on the team.
2: I also think that, that McKenney, you know, despite how good he was last year, you know, I I think he was kind of like, he played a lot more than we all thought he would. He, you know, he was a much more important part of the team than we all thought he would. And if Locatelli comes in and, and, you know, we, we still have Bentancur and Rabiot and all those guys, you know, he might actually do, you know, he might actually end up playing the part that we all thought he would last season, which was kind of like a, sub play every now and then and swiss knife type of guy which wouldn't wouldn't shock me necessarily but i think that's the beauty with a guy like mckinney right like he can you can pretty much put him anywhere and, and he's going to play pretty well uh when he's not hurt obviously so so yeah it's, it's going to be pretty pretty exciting to to watch i'm, I'm on the record to saying that if they do bring locatelli in this midfield is going to look a lot better than it did last season, just because these guys, I, I i will continue to bang on the drum. These guys are actually good. They're actually talented. They just were not put in the position to succeed. And with a guy like Locatelli, that solves a lot of issues. So I, I would expect bounce back seasons from guys like Bentancur, for example, uh, who, you know, Number one, he couldn't be worse than last year. Number two, I think he's going to be put in a, in a better position to succeed this season. So I, I actually, you know, if you want a hot take, let's finish on a hot take. I actually think that McKinney is going to play a lot less next year just because I, I do expect bounce back years from a lot of guys that were really, really bad last season and they're going to eat away at his minutes. Now, will he be a complete bench player? No, of course not. But I don't think they will rely on him as much as they did this year, necessarily.
3: And I'll add one quick thing as well. To me, anyway, I think in a three-man central midfield, especially if you're playing two, like, really ball-playing midfielders like Artur and Locatelli would be, I think you do want to, like, a destroyer, like a, you know, you want a Gattuso type of person that would just, like, you know, mow people down and just like really you know break some uh well well I shouldn't say that but anyway you know you you don't want someone to, to really um, just just to get that muscle and just that that defensive like just toughness as well so yeah and I don't think in in, in just that hypothetical midfield of like arturo Locatelli, uh, rabio I don't I don't think you have enough of that just like dirty defensive work um, so you do want someone doing that
1: all right we'll we'll end on a slightly cooler hot take predictions for Italy, England. First off, Sandler Presti
0: told you, I don't like tempting the wrath from high atop the thing. I think Italy two 0 Mr. Chucks.
3: Um, I only make my predictions after the game. So, uh, okay. Uh, sorry. That's a joke. I stole from t- Tim Vickery. <laughs> drink a yeah, drink. Save the best. Save the best for last. No, I'll, I'll uh, yeah, I'll play along. I think one, uh, one normal time. And then, Italy will probably win it uh, after extra time 2-1.
1: Sergio Romero.
2: Yeah, I, I think Italy wins, but only because England gets a goal disallowed and like they get a phantom PK call against them. I don't know, something really harrowing, something really horrible, just to keep that beautiful tradition of England getting knocked out or losing big games in just horrendous fashion. Because the one thing that I really enjoyed about Denmark-England was just like the crowd shots of horrified Englishmen every time they, they, <laughs> they had a bad shot or they couldn't close a play. It was beautiful. It was just a joy to watch. So that's what I'm rooting for, really. I, I'm rooting for, for Italy to win, but for it to be really a harrowing experience for England. So let's say 2-1. 2-1 in extra time for
0: Italy. I just don't want to hear the english if they win my god they're going to be insufferable
2: it's coming home sam it's coming home it's
0: coming it's coming rome
2: sergio i just really like it's coming home i don't even <laughs> root for england but that's a great was poem. it even it's coming was it, home
0: was it, it it's not home though it was there once in like 1966
2: but it's coming like home. maybe though. it was home. maybe
0: it was born there but now it you know it grew up it went to college you know Got its own place, met a nice girl, settled down, had some kids.
3: It's not there anymore. We opened up a can of worms on that one, didn't we? <laughs>
1: still, still, still coming home. All right, I, I will also get on the two-one Italy bandwagon and another side prediction: a whole lot of COVID cases to come out of this because if you've seen the UK numbers lately, oh boy. Yeah, anyway, full capacity
3: in it. Uh, yeah, for Wendy, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> on that positive note. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. As always, you can send it to us at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can also follow us there as well as on Facebook. Search black and white and red all over. Same search phrase for your favorite podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, feel free to rate us and leave us a review. So... For Sam Presti, for Chucks, and for Sergio, this is Danny Stink. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys post-Euros and on the eve of Juventus starting up preseason training next week.